You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. On the program today, our experts Sherry McMillan and Roland Lequee are talking about the benefits of trusts. And Roland begins this segment explaining how trusts are governed. The trust deed, by its very nature, will explain and give discretion to a trustee to manage the assets on behalf of someone else. You see this quite often with minor children that are beneficiaries of a will. Uh, and essentially, they're setting up a trust inside of the will. That, that's how you get the governance through that process. Uh, now, in the case of minor children, it's kind of obvious they can't receive the asset until they're at least 18. But sometimes that's not the right age. Um, so we look at trust planning where we can provide for a longer governance period. Maybe you want to have assets governed for children while they're in school, university, post-secondary school. Um, if they have a risk of you know, a shaky marriage, maybe they got married very young in life and there's some question of whether they're going to make it through that. You can provide a trust structure that will have an ongoing protection and governance until the age you specify. And quite often we use 30 years, but as our clients' children approach 30, they often come back and change it to 40, uh, with the idea being they just want to provide some governance around their children's money management, and you can do that through a trust. And being so intricately involved in the planning process, then this giving direction to the trustee is a very important part of the safeguarding and protection you stress. I think one of the benefits of creating an estate is the wisdom that we have gleaned by doing so. And sadly, if we have authored a will process to transfer our wealth, that wisdom on how we created and protected that estate through our lifespan is lost. One of the blessings, I think, and I, I compliment you always, Roland, because one of the wonderful abilities to craft a trust and employ that wisdom into that trustee to guide and to direct the next generation to preserve that wealth in the same manner that you did and that wisdom comes through. And because of that, my experience is when these trusts come to fruition for a family and they're really utilized in a practical manner, what we see often is families say, wow, I didn't realize how smart grandma and grandpa were, or wow, look at what mom and dad have guided us to continue to create. And we're getting that kind of reaction out of the crafting of the trust deed and that governance that you put in. So it's not as simple as putting in rule sets um, you know, that they must be only 30. It's about, well, I need them to be 30, but I also want them to buy a primary home because by buying a primary home, they will get a good start in life. I want them to have an education. I want them to give back to the community. I want them to reinvest is another example of some of the clauses Roland has crafted through the years back into the family business. I don't want them to take all the profit out of the family business. We need them to keep investing in the family business so that we can continue this wealth in creation. Now, one of the other beauties that we're seeing more and more often, I would suggest, Roland, is because families' affluence has flourished in Canada, we are seeing families that have so much wealth 
but they actually don't want the asset base, the nest egg, spent. They're saying there's enough here that my family and the next generation can continue to benefit for their lifespan. So we're going to put a restriction on the income coming out of the trust. We're not going to let them destroy or diminish the capital buildup that we've created. That took us a life's work. And so, you know, we always have samples of this in history where families, we call it the third generation loss of the estate. So by the third generation, the first generation created it, the second generation spent it, and the third generation has to start all over again. So we don't want that, obviously, for a family who's worked so diligently to create this kind of affluence. Alternatively, what we want is a trust that guides them to continue creating. And even if there is so much affluence there to create, then what people do is they move into a philanthropic point of view and can continue to create for future generations and for causes and beliefs that they feel strongly about. And so you're saying all of these things can be... Uh not only achieved, but solidified with a trust. If we move to, um, Sherry mentioned, give the example of the California property, um, which leads us to this large complexity of multiple jurisdictions. How would you unpack, uh, unpack that topic? Well, quite often our families are buying properties in multiple jurisdictions. It could be a cottage in BC. It could be um, a second home in Phoenix. But whenever you're dealing with a will process, you probate the will in your location of domicile where you normally live and reside. But when you own real estate in other jurisdictions, the law of the land prevails. So you have to take that will process you've probated here in Alberta and you have to have it resealed or or verified in the second jurisdiction or the third jurisdiction because their court, their laws, are going to govern the disposition of assets within their territory. So it becomes dealing with the asset in multiple jurisdictions. Not only do you probate here, but you have to do it for the cottage in BC. You have to do it for the second home in Phoenix. And it just increases the amount of cost and effort to get that will completed Roland, I think the other highlight that we should make mention to the people listening today that have assets in other jurisdictions is the complexity legally that just because your asset base is in another jurisdiction doesn't mean you can treat it in the same manner as you do in the jurisdiction you live. So I'm thinking of the case study of BC where you must treat every beneficiary in an equal manner. Yes, it does open up your estate to the laws of the land and laws of different jurisdictions are different than what we see here in Alberta. So for example, in Alberta, we have quite a bit of testamentary freedom. I can decide to give my assets to whomever I choose. In other jurisdictions, BC being one of them, they're a little more liberal than us, and they have rules that dictate who you give your estate to, who you must consider. Uh, It opens up the estate to an automatic right of challenge if a child is not treated equally. So people in Alberta don't consider that when they're doing their will. They will just dictate, uh, I want to do this with my assets. That's the way it's done here. But I've got this cottage in BC. Um, I didn't consider how that's going to impact the rest of my estate. And a child that they did not intend to benefit or want to slightly skew the benefits between the children in certain ways, that law of the second jurisdiction can, can pop up and become a real nuisance. Predator protection. 
sadly, we need to pursue creditor protection in our lifespans today in modern society. I would suggest to you, decades ago, it wasn't something that we really fully contemplated in Canada because we didn't have a very litigious situation here in Canada. But times have changed. We have really followed suit a little bit more in mirroring our sister country there, America. And of course, they are litigious and they do sue for many reasons. So what has happened and occurred in Canada is over time, particular legal battles have increased people's right to make claim at higher levels and higher numerics. And so the fear today in modern society is that do you have your estate protected and fenced around so that in the event you ever face any kind of credit or liability in your lifespan, you don't jeopardize your retirement funds. So some of the common areas that we will see in our office are people that are on boards of directors. They take on liability when they do that as um, you know, as, as a career choice of retirement for many. Um, for many of us that are business owners, we just naturally have liability associated with our businesses. Um, some of the other professions, which is a very interesting thing to say, but we have a lot of clients at Macmillan that are lawyers. Um, now, that may sound peculiar. You would think that they could craft their own estate plan, but the reality is lawyers have liability, as do doctors, engineers, and physicians. Um, engineers are another group that are always a bit fearful of their estates as well. So many of us face types of liabilities through the course of our life. And then the more recent one I would suggest that's happening more often is that we often are buying properties in America and we're just spending time there. So because of that, again, if we have a liabilist position down there, um, run into a situation, and then all of a sudden our asset base can be exposed. And so what we think is really important is a rule of thumb is to utilize these kinds of trusts as Roland is recommending to make sure we protect enough of your wealth that your retirement will never be in jeopardy. So we really encourage people to you know, listen to what we, what we say when we recommend the use of a trust in their plan. It's a tremendous tool that's often overlooked. I always consider a trust to be the steward of my estate. And so really, it's the mechanism in which it will govern my wishes, my values, my beliefs. It will safeguard me, and it will protect the future generation. And so if there is nothing more powerful than having the steward come along for the ride in our affairs over the course of time, really the trust is that tool. Our thanks to Sherry McMillan and Roland Lequee for sharing their expertise on the program today. For helpful information on life and legacy estate planning and dates for the upcoming McMillan Estate Planning Seminars, we welcome you to visit our website, macmillanestate.com. This is The Strong Room.